Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Greensburg. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Decatur County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us. I'm glad to be here. We are live tonight. A lot of folks are uh, pre-recording their shows here on WIBC and and other media outlets over the weekend. Uh, I'm right here in the studio and live, so we're going to be taking your calls as we always do, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. Give us a call throughout the show with your questions and comments and uh, we always enjoy getting our listeners here on the air in the meantime i want to talk a little bit here about uh, coming up on 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 new year's eve and listen uh, it's always a fun time of year you know the the time between the holidays i uh i i kind of worked <laughs> this last week i mean i was at the office pretty much every day I uh, got a lot of administrative stuff done, stuff I've been meaning to do. But with with folks being busy, you know, my phone wasn't ringing near as much, and uh, I got a hell of a lot of, um, of 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 commercial emails, solicitations, and whatnot for people wanting me to go buy stuff. But in terms of um, actual work related emails, those slowed way down. So it's a little bit of a relaxing time, even if you are uh, working this time of year. Here we're going into this weekend. Great football weekend. I mean, today already. Uh, some great football games. We've got a Colts game tomorrow, which the Colts pretty much have to treat like a playoff game. I don't think there's any margin for error whatsoever. They have to win their next two games against Oakland or Las Vegas, I guess. It's the Raiders, right? Uh, now in Vegas. And then uh, against... Uh, um, uh, against against Houston, uh, and if they don't win those games, then uh, then I, I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs. But then you've got the the semifinal games for the national championship at the collegiate level, and uh, those are on Monday, uh, on New Year's Day. Just a, just a fun time. In the meantime, as you're celebrating, and I hope you are. I hope you're celebrating the end of uh, 2023 and and celebrating uh, the incoming year as well and 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 have a great time and 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 do so safely and as part of that and you've heard messages from from IMPD and other law enforcement agencies you've you've heard uh, news reports on this here on WIBC but in the meantime please do not involve your firearms when you're celebrating in terms of going outside you know on the back deck uh, or you know in the backyard wherever you might be i mean follow the advice of one of my favorite bands from back in the day in the 70s, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. What goes up 
just come down. <laughs> there you go. That, that's all you got to know. If it goes up, it's got to come down. And, and listen, I have now represented a number of people who have been arrested and prosecuted for the crime of criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon. And that's a felony. And that's because they've they've gone out on the you know on the on the back porch, back deck, backyard, wherever it might be, front yard, and fired a bunch of rounds up into the air. And one guy who had been arrested, he ended up not hiring me, but he came in for a consultation. And he was he was just absolutely irritated that he'd been arrested and he had a uh, an up, upcoming court date because. Uh, he was being accused of that crime, felony, criminal recklessness with a deadly weapon because he was firing shots in the air. And and I was explaining to him the theory of the prosecution, which is, well, you've fired rounds in the air. Those rounds have to come down somewhere. And when they come down, they can very easily endanger someone. And he looked at me and shook his head. And he goes, you clearly don't understand, guy. You don't understand the science. And I went, well, I, I'd love to learn more. What, what do you have to say? And he says, those rounds don't come down at all. They burn up on reentry. <laughs> I paused and I looked at him and I said, hold up, what? He goes, oh yeah, they burn up on reentry. On re-entry. They never make it back through the atmosphere. And uh, so they, they, by definition, won't ever fall to the ground. I said, no, that's not quite how that works. That's not quite how that works. That's not how this works at all. They don't achieve orbit. <laughs> they don't make it to outer space. <laughs> they they may go up a good long way depending on caliber, velocity, bullet weight, any number of different factors. But they're coming back down. Now, the rate at which they come back down, the velocity at which they come back down, it involves uh, a term, and you, you, there hell is a great movie called Terminal Velocity, and a great action film. Look it up; it's a it, it's a good one. It's fun to watch. But the term Terminal Velocity, which I don't know, had a lot to do with that movie. But where that term comes from, and 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 how that applies to a falling projectile when you fire a gunshot up in the air. Terminal velocity just means that a projectile, in this case, stops accelerating and will fall at a constant rate once the gravitational pull on that projectile equals the drag, that is, the, the, the resistance of air as it falls, once those factors equalize each other, then it will not accelerate any longer. Now, what exact velocity it falls at will be determined primarily by its mass, its weight, as well as its shape. That is, a, a pointier, more aerodynamic projectile may fall faster because it cuts through the air more efficiently. A bigger, rounder, bulkier, flatter projectile may fall at a lower rate, even of the same mass, with one that's more aerodynamic. But based on a number of different factors... The bullet's going to stop accelerating as caused by the gravitational pull on the bullet once the drag or the air resistance, essentially, on that projectile 
equalizes the gravitational pull. So it'll fall at that constant rate. What rate do they fall at? Again, that depends on the projectile. But can they fall at 400, 500, 600 feet per second? Yes. Yes, they can. Is that enough to kill someone? Theoretically, yes, based on the size of the bullet, where it hits them. And again, the other characteristics of that projectile that determine to some degree how fast it falls. Now, to put that in comparison, I mean, a relatively slow round, let's say a, a 45. I carried a, a 45 ACP uh, gun for a lot of years. I was always a 45 guy, carried a 1911 style pistol. I was considered that kind of cool and old style. And old school, that's what I meant to say. And, and, and anyway, that's a relatively slow round. In fact, you still see a meme out there among gun-related folks on, on different social media platforms. You know, they'll, say, they'll say sometimes uh, old, fat, and slow gets the job done. Well, what are they talking about? You know, a long-standing caliber like 45 ACP, a relatively fat cartridge, something like 230 grain, pretty big fat cartridge. It's only going maybe 700, 800 feet per second. Well, that's not much different than one falling out of the sky at 400 or 500 feet per second. Does that mean it'll kill you? Not necessarily, but I wouldn't want to get hit with one. I wouldn't stand out and let someone try to hit me with one based on launching it into the air and where I was standing. So anyway, long discussion. Please, 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 please. I mean, yes, if it happens, you get arrested and prosecuted, I will defend you. But please, let's just both go down that road and don't go fire your guns in the air. Uh, because they will, those projectiles will come back down. And, and if you're caught, you may very likely be prosecuted. And at the end of the day, as I say often, you know, I, what's, what's the, the very best, the very best approach to preserving, even enhancing our gun rights. That's something I f- fight for every day. And we'll talk about what's going on in the legislature and what kind of challenges we expect to face in 2024. But a big part of that is that we, responsible gun owners, need to, in fact, be responsible gun owners. And when we do things that are knuckleheaded as gun owners, then what do we do? We invite the people, the people who despise our constitutional rights, the people who would eradicate the Second Amendment tomorrow if they had the ability to do so, and the people that are constantly attacking, trying to whittle away your, at your constitutional freedoms under the Second Amendment, they love it when we do knuckleheaded things because they can go, aha, look, there you go. These people can't be trusted. They, they, they can't be trusted to regulate themselves. They can't be trusted to regulate their own activity. We must pass laws that restrict these people's rights, and that's the only way to keep society safe from these knuckleheads with guns. What's the lesson from that? And believe me, I, I hear that all the time. Every time we're fighting for or against a piece of legislation, I'll have to deal with news articles. Look at what this knucklehead did. Look what that knucklehead did. We need a safe storage law because here's an article about someone who didn't store their gun responsibly and someone got hurt. So the very best thing we can do in addition to advocating for the protection and expansion of our rights, is in the meantime to not be knuckleheads. 
And if you listen to the Gun Guy Show, you're enough of an advocate, I'm guessing, that you're rolling your eyes going, I don't really need to be told not to be doing something knuckleheaded with my gun. But it's worth reminding folks. And, and it's worth not only taking that message, and, and listen, if, if, if that's something you roll your eyes at and say, well, no kidding, guy, I didn't need that message from you, hey, repeat it, enhance it, forward it, post it, get that message out there. Because, again, uh, we have to protect our own rights, and one of the very best ways to do that is to, in fact, be safe and responsible gun owners. And if that's obvious, uh, forgive me, but it's, it bears repeating here at the end of the year. In the meantime, we're going to go to the phone lines uh, as soon as we start getting callers come in. 317-239-9393. Talk a little bit about, what, about what's going on in the legislature, but also talk about, I think, some really interesting developments, even on the more uh, national uh, scale uh, here that, uh, that bear on Second Amendment rights here in the United States. Right now, we're taking a break. We'll be right back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us. We've had some people call in. Let's go to the phone lines. And we've got Michael. Michael, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hey, Guy. Uh, thanks for listening to my uh, uh, idea or question here. Sure. So, of course, we have we have the right to carry guns. Mm-hmm. Now, driving an automobile, uh, we've been told all along that that's a privilege. That's not a, a right. Could they? Could we not pass a law that, unless you're a public defender, doesn't add on your license, that you're not allowed to have a gun within your reach in a vehicle? Why, why would you want that law? So that we could get some guns off the street. So that if a police so, officer so hold on, somebody, so so I'm I'm lawfully in possession of my gun, and um, I carry my gun for for personal protection. Uh, I have my license to carry, or I'm lawfully carrying under constitutional carry. And uh, I've just read that carjackings are up dramatically in Indianapolis. And so I'm driving through Marion County. I'm on on my way downtown to do radio. You want there to be a law that I can't have a gun within my reach so that me as a law-abiding citizen doesn't have the capacity to protect myself against a carjacker with a gun? You you think that sounds sounds like really good policy? You would be qualified you would be well, who determines who's qualified who determines that who's qualified be, that would be determined by the law that you decide so it could be everything that you can't having an 18 year old be able to carry a big gun in the front seat of his car legally is crazy oh wait a minute I mean, the same 18 year old that can that can carry an m4 select fire automatic firearm in iraq or afghanistan can't have a gun within his reach when he comes home after having defended your constitutional rights in a foreign land you're going to deprive him of those same rights when he comes home does that make any sense to you i would not i would not deprive those because once you go to the military and get gun training you are then oh, a public defender. So, so we've got so some all-knowing human being who's going to look out over everybody and in their wisdom decide who can exercise their constitutional rights and who can't. That's what you want to have see. That's what you want to see happen. 
No, I want common sense. Oh, common, common sense. sense. You know what common sense means? Common sense is today used in gun control means those people who want to decide who gets to exercise their constitutional freedom and who doesn't. Because what they decide is always common sense and what actually makes sense for law-abiding citizens to defend their lives that, that, that that's what they want to restrict. And I've got to tell you, Michael, at one of the more knuckleheaded calls I've ever had here on the Gun Guy Show, because that's not the way it works, brother. That's not the way it works. Because, listen, let's say we pass the law that you're talking about get, to get guns off the street. So the law-abiding citizen, a person even who has their, their license to carry and they've had it for a long damn time, or somebody who's lawfully carrying under constitutional carry, under the law, you want to see passed, they can't have a gun within their reach in a vehicle to defend themselves against carjacking, for the single mom to have available to defend herself against the the abusive husband that she has an order of protection issued against, but who doesn't care about a piece of paper and who's going to attack her in the parking lot when she picks her kids up from school or, or, or when she gets home from work because he knows what time she gets home from work, but she can't have a gun within her reach to defend herself against that abusive husband because Michael says we're going to get guns off the street. At the same time, you think that abusive husband whose plan is to commit murder, Michael, consider this for a minute and and consider how knuckleheaded your suggestion is. The same guy who's decided he's going to commit murder and doesn't care about life in prison or the death penalty or 60, 70 years in prison, doesn't care about that. Is he going to follow the law that you want to see imposed that says you can't have a gun within your reach in your vehicle as he's driving to his ex-wife's house to murder her? And he doesn't care about 60 years in prison. Is he going to say, oh, wait, there's Michael's law, which is I can't have a gun within my reach in my vehicle, so I better not take my gun. I might be convicted of a misdemeanor or some even some low-level felony if that's the law you want to have passed, Michael. Is that guy who's planning on committing a murder, is he going to follow that law? So who have you disarmed? You've disarmed the law-abiding victim of the abusive husband. You've disarmed the person who's going to be murdered in her front lawn or in her driveway by her abusive ex. You've disarmed her. You've disarmed the woman, and we've seen it happen right here in Indianapolis. The woman picking up her kids from school. Her ex knows exactly what time she's picking those kids up from school. So he's there. He's waiting in the parking lot for her to pull up to pick up those kids. And he gets out of his car, and he kills her in front of her kids. Your law, Michael, would prevent that woman from defending herself, from saving her life and potentially the life of her kids. And it wouldn't have one bit of effect on the murderer who doesn't care about life in prison, doesn't care about 60 years in prison, and sure as hell wouldn't care about your idiotic law, Michael. So you've disarmed law-abiding citizens, and you've done nothing to keep anyone safe. You've, in fact, imperiled people. You've imperiled law-abiding citizens. You've put innocent lives at risk because you want to see, quote-unquote, guns off the street, and you call that common sense? That's not only not common sense, Michael, It's damn idiotic and is a perfect example of what I do every day to fight against idiotic gun control that has no effect on criminals and only has effects on law-abiding citizens. And thanks for making that point at the 
bottom of the hour, it's time to take a break. We'll go back to the phone lines when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. The show about gun rights, gun safety, and responsible gun ownership. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Shout out to my friend Jerry, who's uh, Ubering out uh, to do a little weekend, uh, holiday weekend celebration, and uh, was just texting me about the show, and I always love it uh, when my friend Jerry's listening uh, to, to the show. And the very best part is, he just texted me to say when he got in his Uber, the Uber driver already had his radio on the Gun Guy Show. All right, I'm loving both of you guys. Jerry, thanks for texting me and tell your Uber driver he's a rock star, and I appreciate very much that he uh, he listens to the Gun Guy Show, even without uh, your request for him to tune it in. That's awesome. In the meantime, let's go back to the phone lines. Don's been on hold for a while. Don, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Thank you, guy. Thanks for taking the call. Sure, brother. But, uh, that last call was quite entertaining. <laughs> uh, sounds like sounds like you were able to calm down a little bit over the break. Oh, oh yeah. But, uh, well, I can I can get real excited and calm down real fast all at the same time. It's, <laughs> it's probably why I'm st- why, one of the reasons I'm still sane, Don. But but what do you got for us? Well, uh, first thing it fit in with your earlier comments about firing guns into the air. Yeah. We had a family member whose uh, car was struck uh, while parked. Fortunately. Uh, hit the hood, uh, the 40, 40 caliber full metal jacket. Yeah. Uh, it hit the car and then fell off onto the street where where it was found, and it put about a about a quarter inch of dent into the sheet metal. See, so, I, mean, uh, I mean that's a good story, Don, because because I mean you know I don't know uh, I assume it was probably aluminum, uh, but still I mean a uh, well it was a it was a Chevrolet Malibu, so it uh, you know it was a steel. Yeah. Okay. So a quarter metal. inch dent in steel. What's that going to do to your noggin? I mean, yeah, that's that's what, that's what I thought. If I, I wouldn't want that coming down on top of my head. Yeah, and that's one of those situations where FMJ is probably going to be that is full metal jacket is probably going to be uh, more dangerous falling back to earth uh, after it's shot um, because it's going to be more aerodynamic than, for instance, a, um, a hollow point that uh, is going to going to have going to have more drag because it's less aerodynamic. So you may actually get hurt worse by that FMJ round falling. You know, and that's what most people are going to use for practice and whatnot. It's certainly what I use when I go to the range. But anyway, I think I think you had another part of your question. Yes, I did. Uh, I have a 18 inch uh, iron cannon, one inch bore. Cool. That I use. That's eh, fun. It uh, did a little, you know, a little black powder and a and a wad of newspaper, and it, uh, <laughs> it makes a very very loud, very satisfying boom. I'm sure it uh, does. No. You know, President Biden uh, said that at the time the Constitution yes, I, was written, you couldn't own a cannon. Um, yes, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, well. <laughs> but, but no, yeah, he, he was wrong then, and he's wrong relative yeah. to now. So anyway, but yeah, what about what about your cannon? Well, that my question was is is that does that fall under a, a destructive device, or is is there something about the uh, the uh, I, I assume that's the 19 19- 33, the Federal Firearms Act. Oh, the National that, Firearms Act in 1934. Act, yeah. 34. Uh, does that, uh, does my cannon cause a, cause me any, uh, any concern with, uh, 
being uh, against the law? Well, it, it could, Don. And, and, and without knowing more uh, about the canon specifically, and probably shouldn't take a long time here on the show, but... Uh, yeah, the NFA, and you mentioned destructive device, and you're smart to do so because that has to do with large caliber uh, firearms, that, you know, the fire a large projectile. And some of those actually do have to be registered under the NFA. There are others that are exceptions because they more fall under an exception for an antique firearm that's either an actual antique or a replica. And so that gets starts getting pretty tricky into figuring out which side of the line that falls on. Um, so it may, in fact, be an NFA regulated item that would require you to register it as a destructive device. And I'll tell you what, if you want to uh, give me a call at the office, uh, maybe l- next week after the holiday, um, I, I maybe can give you a little more analysis based on uh, the specifics uh, of your of your specific canon. But I got to tell you, you know, I, I'll go to the gun show, you know, here the Indy 1500 client of mine, by the way. And uh, Indy 1500 will come to town at the fairgrounds, and I'll be walking through uh, the gun show, and somebody's got a cannon sitting out there. In fact, whenever I see one of those, for some reason, I always take a picture and I send it to Tony Katz here at WIBC and say, Tony, you need one of these. And he always responds and says, ooh, yeah. And so, hey, you know, what red-blooded American guy doesn't want to own a cannon? Or Red-blooded American lady, for that matter. Don't want to don't want to exclude anybody from that discussion. Let's go back to the phone lines. And uh, Ryan has called in. Ryan, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hey, guy. Um, well, I'm so glad you calmed down. Um, <laughs> but I was feeling your frustration there. Uh, yeah, hey, I got it. Gonna... This fair, you know, common sense. And fair gun control. I hear that all the time. And then all they all they ever want to do is take rights away from law-abiding citizens. I, it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, guy, have you heard the expression, there's one born every day? Yeah, well, yeah, um, good point. Okay, all right. Well, then we, we got it. Um, yep. Hey, my question is, Guy, um, this is Farmer Ryan, Rob Kendall's friend. Um, I've got an 11-year-old <laughs> boy that is yep. just, he loves guns, rifles, shotguns, muzzleloaders, everything. And I'm a farmer. Um, I am self-taught safety. But is there a place in Indianapolis, Lafayette area that you know of that I can take him so he could do classes? Or does that does that exist? You know, um, I, I, there's no there's no law that says you have to be, you know, 18 or 16 or some other age to uh, go participate in a in a instructional course on firearm. And in fact, one of the okay. exceptions under the law for uh, allowing a, you know, a, a youngster, a child under 18 to possess a firearm is during a firearms instructional course with a qualified instructor. Um, so for instance, when, you know, when I was teaching group classes, I pretty much only do private training today but even in the private classes that i do if somebody says they have an 11 or 12 year old um, that they want to uh, come participate in the class i'll always ask them a few questions like you know i what's their attention span like and how comfortable are you with uh you know their maturity level because hey there are 11 year olds and there are 11 year olds right um right in terms of you know just their well those issues like just maturity and 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 how well they listen to instruction and whatnot and uh, attention yep. span but if somebody says oh man i've got a 10 year old nine year old 
um, that really wants to come participate and they're very mature for their age and they take instruction well and they've got a great attention span, I'd say, great, bring them in. Now, they're going to get a lot of attention in my class and I'm going to be standing right over them and I'm going to be in a position where I can control that gun uh, immediately. Uh, while they have that gun in their hands, and um, and but but I also have to have the resources to do that. In other words, if I've got five or six people on the firing line at once, does that mean I got to ignore everybody else as I'm standing right in the immediate vicinity, uh, uh, in the immediate vicinity of of the, right. the kid who's shooting? So th- there are all those different variables that an instructor has to weigh out. But having said all of that. Um, you know, a, a place like Indie Arms, uh, go to IndieArms.com, click on training, and they've got things like um, home firearm safety and intro to handgun and intro to shotgun, um, you know, some introductory level classes. And give them a call and say, you know, is there a, is there a, a minimum age to, to take these? Or look into, like I say, private instruction as well. Um, and that's something I wouldn't hesitate a minute to do a one-on-one course with an 11-year-old. Hell, I'd, that'd be great. Hell, I, I still post, uh, every time it comes up in my memories, I still post um, a picture that I took out at Eagle Creek Pistol Range. And it has to be now good 10 or 11, 12 years ago. And, uh, and I was teaching a group class, and it was, a I think, an 11 or 12-year-old uh, who came and participated in that class, who was the best shot in the whole class. I never missed the bullseye. We shot 50 rounds. It was it was a basic handgun course. And we shot 50 rounds, and this kid put all 50 rounds through this whole course from his very first shot. It was his first time shooting a handgun ever. He put all 50 rounds through the bullseye. And it was a uh, three or four-inch bullseye. And... And this kid shot such a great target to where I had him hold the target up and I had to get down on one knee because you know, I'm 6'4 and he's I don't know, probably 10, 11 years old. And uh, I had to get down on one knee so you know I could be down there in the picture with him. And we took this picture and I posted it and said, look at this kid. Uh, he's uh, He was the best shot in my whole class and, and he's, he's really going to do something uh, with firearms if he sticks with it. And guess what? That same kid is now on the Purdue rifle team. He now competes, and I believe is on scholarship, if I remember the story correctly, because I ran into him and his mom uh, at an NRA annual meeting that was here in town, and he was telling me about being on the Purdue rifle team, and we're actually friends on Facebook now, so I get to follow him a little bit in, in uh, his accomplishments. But but hey, you know, just one experience like that for a, a younger kid that, that realizes that he's got some natural talent, realizes he can be safe, realizes he can be responsible. I mean, that can be life-changing for somebody. And in this case, uh, is very likely providing them a college education. So that's a much longer answer than you were looking for, Ryan, and I apologize for that. Um, but check in. If you're talking about group classes, I would look in uh, to like Indy Arms. Up in the Lafayette area, I think it's called Applied Ballistics. I hear great things about their range uh, and good things also about their training, uh, but I don't know the individuals up there. But I would, you know, that's there in your area. I would at least check with them. But if not, down in the indie area, like I said, Indie Arms uh, or Tim Shooting Academy, they provide training there as well and also have a range. So you can uh, check in those places or a couple more. Or if you're interested in, in a purely private class, that's something 
you could potentially do through me as well. It might be a little bit more pricey. Um, it may be more, more economical to go to one of the group classes, but that way, uh, you know, uh, somebody like an 11 year old would get one on one instruction. So the safety factor would be dramatically enhanced as well. But anyway, that's so uh, as much as I can offer in the time we have on that. Ryan, thanks so much for calling. In the meantime, we're a little past the three quarter hour. We're taking a break. We'll go back to the phone lines. Had great questions. And by the way, Michael, it was called, and and he and I had a little different views on things. I, I nobody ever said you have to agree with me or agree with the Second Amendment or uh, not be proposing restrictions on Second Amendment rights uh, to listen to the Gun Guy Show or call the Gun Guy Show. We love it, and uh, I may rather emphatically disagree with you, but that doesn't mean we won't take your call and put you right square on the air. So give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We're taking a break. This is Sky Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Your rights, your responsibilities, your guns. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Glad you're with us. A little bit about gun control. You know, I had somebody call in suggesting uh, more gun control. Let me, let, me, let me give you a really good example of how gun control laws tend to work. And for instance, Illinois did what... Uh, gun control proponents have been proposing for a long time, which is they have, uh, quote-unquote, banned assault weapons. Now, again, if you're listen, listening for one of the first times you hear me use the word assault weapon, don't call and go, oh, God, there's no such thing as an assault weapon, or politicians can't even tell us what an assault weapon is. Ah, look, I agree. I've made that point more often than you can count. But let's call them semi-automatic rifles with detachable magazines that the left people proposing gun control always want to call always want to call assault weapons illinois did what a lot of folks been calling for is they've banned them but they grandfathered in the existing ones but if you already own a firearm that fell within the definition of quote-unquote assault weapon you had to register and this also includes by the way even handguns that have what they label in this same legislation as high-capacity magazines. Now, I don't know if, if there they, they labeled that as, as the, the contained 10 or more rounds or 12 or more rounds. I'm not sure exactly how they defined high-capacity magazine. It's what you and I would call a standard-capacity magazine. I mean, the... The SIG P365 macro that I'm carrying right now holds 17, and it's a compact firearm. 17 plus one in the chamber. So so it's not a high-capacity gun. It's not a high-capacity magazine, but that's what the left likes to call them, so okay. Well, in Illinois, they have roughly 2.5 million, what they call their FOID card. stands for Firearm Owner Identification. And you have to go get one of these cars. Now, there's been litigation over this on whether that's constitutional or not. But keep that keep that point aside for a minute. There are 2.5 million of these cars. And I'm sure a very large percentage of those 
are firearms that are either so-called assault weapons or that use what Illinois now calls a high-capacity magazine. Guess how many registrations they've had of, of people who want to register these things? Barely 15,000. 15,000 out of 2.5 million. That's how these things work. I'll go into more detail. Right now we're coming up on top of the hour, and as, and as well as taking your calls. Right now we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is The Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're thrilled you're with us here on this holiday weekend. Getting ready to celebrate the new year. I'll tell you this next year, pretty significant here to us at the Gun Guy Show. Um, I believe this coming July will mark 10 years that uh, we've had the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC, which is shocking to me in, in, in that uh, I, I think there were some... I think there was some real doubt, at least among some people, even here at WIPC, whether we were going to last any time at all. For instance, uh, not long after they announced I was going to have my show, I think I might have even not had a show yet. And the uh, programming folks arranged a meeting with uh, the sales group, you know, people responsible for going out and selling advertising. Because if you don't sell advertising for a radio show, the radio show's not going to make it. And we had a we had a meeting actually at uh, a gun range in Carmel, and uh, I gave a little gun safety lesson to these folks. Talked a little bit about you know what I intended the show to be, and uh, and then for anybody who wanted to, we actually went into the range and and, and shot some guns. And uh, and I remember as we're wrapping up the classroom part and we're getting ready to go out to the range. One of the one of the sales guys here at WIBC said, "Guy he goes, you know, I, I look, I wish you well, and and I, I hope your show flourishes. Hell, I hope I hope five years from now you still have a show on WIBC. But I got to say, I mean, this is a pretty limited window. It's kind of a narrow range of folks who who are going to be interested in your topic, and I got to believe it's a, a narrow group of of." advertisers who might be interested in advertising on your show. And, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure among the folks I sell advertising to how much of a market you're really going to have. So this guy was basically predicting my imminent doom. <laughs> and I, I, I took it to heart because I kind of had the same thought. I'm like, wow, you know, it's crazy to me. And this is something I'm eternally thankful for. And listen, I, my show folds tomorrow, which I don't believe it will and have no expectation that it will. But if it did, you know, I, I would have said, man, nine plus years, nine and a half years uh, on the air uh, with a dedicated Second Amendment related show, you know, on on broadcast media. I mean, I'm, I'm still nine years, nine and a half years later, I'm still somewhat shocked I got the show to begin with. Because a lot of people said, no way. You know, nobody's going to let you talk advocating for Second Amendment rights. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the 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 leftist members of the media are going to descend upon you. You're going to get canceled even before people started using that term. But hey, here we are nine and a half years later. And heck, if we make it to next July, man, I, I'm pretty sure if my math works out, that's 10 years. <laughs> it dramatically exceeds any expectation I ever had. But listen, as you're preparing for new your new year and what that means to you, we're glad that you decided to tune in here to the Gun Guy Show. And I got to tell you, I'm loving the calls tonight. Again, agree with me, disagree with me. I Don't hold yourself back. Give us a call. 317-239-9393. And as a lot of folks do, uh, folks just call in with questions. And and listen, I love that because we actually got our start here, or I only got offered a show because I appeared on some other folks' shows as a guest where we just had a Ask the Gun Guy or Ask the Gun Lawyer, we called it then. Nobody called me the gun guy then. They just said Ask the Gun Lawyer. And people called in with, with legal questions. And we do that for, well, one time we were, we were only planning on doing it for an hour. As I was a guest on, on one of the talk shows here on, on the weekend, here a long time ago. And uh, and we had so many calls still on hold at the end of the first hour, they kept me around for the second hour. So that's the origin. And and, and I think the, the programming people, including the program director here, saw the amount of interest it had and said, wow, maybe, maybe an actual show could survive. So that's why I love going back to the origins and going back to the phone lines. And on that point, Chris has been on hold for a while. So Chris, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Thanks for your patience. Hey, thanks for taking my question. Sure. I'm curious, how important is concealed carry insurance, and do you have it, and if so, what company do you use? Yeah, and Chris, it's a good question. It, yeah, I do. Um, I have USCCA insurance. Now, full disclosure, um, they don't anymore, for, but for a period of I think just two years, here, going back maybe a year and a half, two years ago, for about two years, um, they paid me a little bit of money, very little, but they paid me a little bit of money to teach what they called their um, self-defense, law of self-defense seminars, I think they called them. And it would be like 45 minutes of me teaching uh, the law of self-defense in Indiana to a room full of folks. And then they would uh, then they would use the you know the remaining time as a basically a sales pitch a sales promotion for USCCA insurance. However, before they ever uh, offered me that gig, um, and I think they they now have somebody doing it for free because they haven't asked me to come back. But um, long before that, uh, in 2012 is when I. Uh, on my own, with no commercial relationship, um, went out and bought USCCA insurance. So first of all, for people who don't know what this is, um, it's uh, insurance that uh, that provides uh, legal costs, including expert witness fees, potentially, um, in the event that you're accused of a crime, or depending on the plan and what, what company you're, you're working with, uh, if you're sued... Uh, over your uh, use of a firearm, particularly in self-defense. And listen, the plans are all different, and they, uh, a lot of them have uh, different exclusions to coverage, and so, and the cost is different. I mean, I pay a little bit of money a month. I mean, I think it's, it's barely 20 bucks, if I remember correctly. It's been automatically coming out of my account for so long, I kind of forget. But um, it provides me, and again, there are different levels of coverage you can get, you know, bronze or gold or platinum or I don't know the different levels of coverage and you know, different levels of coverage cost you a different amount of money, just like a typical liability policy. But 
I think it's important. I think it's important because I know how expensive it can be. If you're accused of a crime after you defend yourself with a firearm, I know. I mean, I've defended multiple people who have either been sued or prosecuted when what they were doing, it turns out, uh, was completely lawful and justified under the law of self-defense. And and I've seen people have to, uh, you know, take second mortgages or or do any number of different things to to pay for for their defense. And uh, I don't want that kind of financial burden on my family. I carry a gun every day. And that creates a likelihood or at least a possibility that I could use my gun someday. And if I use my gun, there's some possibility that I can be prosecuted over that or sued over that, even though the self-defense immunity law we have in Indiana now that I wrote, Jim Lucas championed in the Indiana General Assembly as as the author in the General Assembly, uh, greatly protects us, but doesn't mean you you can't possibly get sued on the front end. And, uh, and, and, and even uh, folks uh, that, have, that have hired me to represent them after a self-defense scenario, I'll ask them, do you have self-defense insurance? There are a lot of different plans out there. And compare them uh, yourself. There's, uh, there's second call defense. There's, there's U.S. Law Shield. There's uh, the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. And I'm in the uh, attorney network for many of these plans. And, uh, and and I'm a, I'm a big fan, and it's a little bit of peace in mind. Now, th- there are attacks or criticisms going on. You go to YouTube, and, and there are um, some different groups out there that are attacking these plans, saying, well, um, if you're found guilty, they'll make you pay the money back. Well, yeah, there are exclusions in virtually all these policies because it's the law in virtually every state that you cannot insure yourself against liability for a criminal act. In other words... If I'm going to murder my wife, and honey, if you're listening, I have no plans whatsoever. I love you desperately. But if, if, if for instance, hypothetically, if I had in, in my plan was to go home and murder my wife, I can't go hire an insurance policy to say, well, I want to have my lawyer paid for when after I get prosecuted based on my plan to go home and intentionally commit a crime and murder my wife. And... Um, the law doesn't allow me to insure myself against that. And that requires then that these policies have a provision in them to say, well, if you actually commit a crime, we can't provide coverage for that. That, of course, begs the question, well, what if it's a close call? You know, what if there's a very good argument that it was justified, but jury just happens to disagree? But and, And listen, I've not ever heard of a situation where, one way or the other, where it was a close call. And one of these insurance companies, you know, decided they wanted their money back after deciding to insure you. Um, if you have a plausible claim of self-defense, I think they provide coverage, uh, and uh, and it's great financial protection to have. And I'll tell you what, we've got a bunch more people that have called in, and so and by the way, uh, some of you folks have been on hold for a while, uh, including Jim, who has a question about transferring a gun to quote unquote his name. Um, we're going to go to all you folks who have called in just as soon as we come back. And thanks for your patience. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Now you've got a gun guy, Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And uh, I love when we have a bunch of callers here on the Gun Guy Show. Um, 
it, I enjoy the hell out of it. Again, it t- kind of takes us back to our roots here on the Gun Guy Show, uh, where I was just a guest there, what, 10 or more years ago, uh, just answering questions. Uh, and so we love to take the calls. Speaking of which, Jim's been on hold forever. Jim, thanks for your patience, man. You had a question. Yes, uh, I'm legally allowed to carry a gun uh-huh. concealed. And my wife bought a gun, and she had it for a while, but then she decided she wasn't going to carry it anymore, so she gave it to me. Uh-huh. Do I have to register that gun in my name? No, Jim, and, and, and I get this question a lot, and so I'm glad you raise it um, so we can get the information out there. Um, there's no such thing as registration at the federal level, and there's no such thing as registration of a firearm here in Indiana. Uh, some states have a registration requirement. In fact, there are some states, and I don't know if they've changed it, but I know for years in Michigan, when you got your license to carry, I believe they have constitutional carry now in Michigan. Ah, don't quote me on that. I think they do. But for years, uh, you had to associate a particular firearm, you know, make, model, and serial number, and that was the gun you were allowed to carry uh, with your license. Indiana's never had such a requirement. So you can carry any gun you lawfully possess, and since you already said you're lawful to possess and carry a firearm, your wife can give you that firearm just uh, if she wants to, um, based on the fact she didn't like it anymore or because she really likes you and wants to gift you a, gift you a firearm or for any other reason. And there's nothing else you need to do. There's no, there's no registration requirement. And I get that question all the time. People call my office. You know, I inherited a firearm. Don't I have to register it now? No, you don't. Now, what I like to do, is I like to keep, and I, I have this in an encrypted file, and I, I like to not just have it out where it's, it can be easily accessed by anyone without my express permission, but I like to keep um, an inventory of my firearms. I take pictures on, on both sides, uh, including a close-up of the serial number. I record the make, model, serial number, um, and, uh, and I record accessories if they're serialized. Um, then I, I record those as well, and I like to keep those on an inventory. You know, I take very good care of my firearms as far as security goes. I have multiple gun safes. I keep things locked up. Uh, but nothing's infallible. And you get a gun stolen uh, or, you know, destroyed. A house burns down. Now, most of my fire or most of my fires, most of my safes are fire resistant, at least for some period of time. So I like to think firearms would would survive. But I like to have an inventory. Um, uh, if, God forbid, something's stolen, you can report that to police. And uh, give them make, model, and serial number. So it's if it's recovered, that enhances the likelihood of getting it back. Uh, or if, if if someone's just found with that gun, and if for whatever reason cops uh, run a, a check on the serial number, it comes up as stolen. And there is a, a a database of stolen firearms that police can access. Now, I personally think they ought to make that public. So if you're buying a gun from a private individual, it might be nice to be able to go uh, search that same database to see if it comes up as stolen. And uh, there, there is a, uh, a a database out there. It's a website called Hot Guns, and with guns spelled with a Z, G-U-N-Z, Hot Guns. Go to hotguns.com, and this is all garbage in, garbage out. It, it totally depends on people's participation in it. But um, if you have a gun stolen and you have the make, model, and serial number, you can enter it into that website there at Hot Guns, and if people know about it, they can go, they can go check it. Um, but uh, otherwise, uh, uh, and I know this isn't part of your question, Jim, um, but otherwise, you know, we're dealing, uh, uh, a little bit on our own 
um, when it comes to, to that issue. But in the meantime, to actually answer the question that you asked, um, yeah, there's no additional registration or anything else you, you, you need. Since you already could lawfully possess a firearm, your wife gives you, you know, what was her firearm, you carry that gun and possess it uh, just as you could a gun that you had bought yourself. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines and Bill has been on hold for a while. Bill, uh, you got a question for us. Uh, I got a couple of questions. Sure. I got, I got a friend that bought a, a piece of property at a federal tax sale and it's got a two story underground bunker with a shooting range in it. Does he have to have a license? Cause he's planning on, well, he's fixing the property up to resell. Does he have to have any kind of license for that? Well, you don't, there's, there's not a license, quote unquote, requirement in Indiana um, as far as having a shooting range on private property. But there are some other things you run into. Um, there could be a zoning issue. And this varies dramatically from town to town or county to county, depending on how zoning is handled in that location. There could potentially be a zoning problem. You know, if it's out in the country, uh, there's no zoning issue. Uh, you have you, you can have a firing range on your own property if you want to. There are, there are other restrictions locally in some places, like you can't fire a gun with a certain number of feet of other people's property, and there's just some, a bunch of other, you know, these little BS requirements. And there's also something just for, as far as personal safety and hygiene goes, which is, you know, an, an indoor shooting range, um, you got to be really worried about what kind of lead deposits and what kind of ventilation you got. That's not a legal requirement necessarily. It is if you're opening up a, a, a commercial range where you're, you're going to actually charge people and run a business. There are all kinds of requirements for ventilation and and whatnot. Uh, but just as far as personal responsibility, wanting to keep yourself safe and your family and, 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 and visitors to your range, you want to be really concerned about especially ventilation. And every time you, you shoot a gun, you're getting some lead being deposited both into the air and into the ground. I know a lot of people that have worked at indoor ranges and, uh, and haven't worked there all that long, and all of a sudden they've got really high, uh, really high uh, lead content uh, when they when they have blood tests taken, and that can be uh, horrible for you, uh, your health, um, and including various bodily organs. I think a lot of times uh, my recollection is it accumulates in the liver. And listen, I'm 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 busy doing enough damage to my liver already. I don't need any more challenges <laughs> for my poor liver. Um, but anyway, Bill, I hope I answered your question. There there are some some issues to look into, but there's not a particular license that you need just to shoot guns uh, on your own property. I'll tell you what, we're at the bottom of the hour, but we've got uh, Will is on is on hold. Bob has called in a little while ago. And anybody else who wants to join the discussion, I'm loving the question so far. I, I, I absolutely love our listeners, and I love the, the questions that uh, or, or the input that you want to provide. Uh, so we'll go back to the phone lines, and we'll continue to take your calls uh, when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show. Give us a call, 317-239-9393. We love taking your calls, 317-239. 9393. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. He's a Second Amendment attorney. He's an NRA certified firearms instructor. He's the Gun Guy. Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. Welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. 
Let's go right back to the phone lines. We've had great callers tonight. Uh, and Bob has been on hold for a while. Bob, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hey, Guy. Uh, two quick comments. Sure. I love, I love how you quickly nailed Michael's law. <laughs> well, yeah. What? You know, I, 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 I hope I wasn't too harsh with Michael. I'm sorry, Bob. Go ahead. I said, what a complete idiot. Well, yeah, uh, I, uh, you know, this common sense BS that we hear all the time, uh, oh, it's just common sense. Let's keep, you know, guns out of vehicles. Uh, even if you're a law-abiding citizen, uh, oh, no, you can't have a gun within arm's reach. And I'm going to drive downtown Indy with all the carjackings going on, and I can't have a gun within my reach? Oh, no, some people can. They just have to be qualified. Really, who makes that decision? And so somebody in the government is going to scratch their chin and go, well, guy, you have a Second Amendment right to defend yourself in your vehicle, but, oh, this other person over here doesn't, even though they're a complete law-abiding citizen. I mean, that kind of stuff just sets me off. So, you know, I don't I don't want to discourage anybody from calling, Bob, um, and I want to be respectful uh, of anybody uh, who uh, who calls in, but that kind of stuff just sets me off. So anyway, I, I appreciate your comment. Well, I, I totally agree, and another quick comment was, sure. thanks for your service and watching over our Second Amendment, buddy. Uh, well, I appreciate that, man. I You know, it's my passion. You know, it's, it's easy uh, for me to, it's easy to do what you love. Uh, you know, what's the old saying, you know, always, uh, always uh, have a job doing what you love and you'll never feel like you're going to work or something along those lines. Uh, and that's pretty much the case. You know, I get enthused um, about things I'm working on, whether it's in the legislature for the 2A project or uh, whether, you know, cases I defend. Because uh, you know, I'm just a one-man shop. I can't take every case that comes in. So I tend to, to take those cases I'm most passionate about uh, and, um, and want to defend those people who uh, you know, have not done anything wrong and someone's trying to put them in jail or somebody's trying to sue them uh, when all they've done is exercise their Second Amendment rights, hey, I, that's, a, that, that, that's a good job to have. Uh, I feel pressure on it a lot of times because, man, I, you know, I don't do my job and somebody gets convicted or somebody gets a judgment against them. Uh, but, uh, but by the grace of God, that didn't, that didn't happen much uh, because, uh, because uh, the law allows us a lot of really solid defenses here in Indiana. But anyway, Bob, in the meantime, thanks so much for your comment. It's appreciated greatly by me. Uh, let's go back to Chris. I think Chris, I may have a question a little bit related to something I just talked about a little bit earlier, but Chris, you had a question? Yeah, I'm sorry because I just tuned in oh, no, sorry. On, my way in, on my way into work at the VA hospital. Oh, okay. Uh, hey, my, my question here is my, uh, my, my son's uh, grandfathers, I'm real still close with them, even though I'm not in the family anymore. Uh, legally, he wants to leave me some of his guns. He's a professional reenactor, so he actually has like a legal ownership of uh, a Thompson, which is fully automatic. And so it's going to be one of the guns in his collection. And I just want to know what I need to do to get ready to inherit that. And I'm in no hurry to inherit it, but it will be inevitable someday. Well, no, it's a it's a fabulous question, and I'll tell you what. Since that's an NFA item, Chris. Um, then I did not answer this question earlier in the show. Somebody was talking about just I think for regular a regular handgun that his wife bought to carry um, and decided she didn't like it, so she gave it to him. And he was wanting to know is there something he needs to do to quote unquote register that or, or to otherwise lawfully carry it? And that's just your basic run of the mill handgun. So the, the answer is completely different. Uh, in response to your question for a fully automatic Thompson. So the easiest thing to do 
would be, uh, does you, by, by the way, is your, does the, the grandfather live here in the same state? Does they live in Indiana yes. as well? Okay. Yes. That makes it easier because what you could do today uh, is establish an NFA trust. Um, and or he could do it in his name since it's it's his item today. He would be what we call the grantor, or which is the creator of the trust, which gives them a little more power over the trust. But uh, or if he said, "No, I don't care. Uh, we'll just go ahead and make you the grantor," and he could be a co-trustee. But if you if you do an NFA trust, and I, and I do a bunch of NFA trusts, my son Craig, who uh, who practices with me, has um, become the expert. On NFA trust. In fact, to the oh. to this day now, right. I I call him and I'm like, hey, I just got this question, and I think I know the answer. And Craig will steer me in the right direction, um, and he's been practicing for for eight ten years. So I mean, he he's an experienced attorney as well. But at any rate, Craig and I will, will produce NFA trust all the time. Um, and what an NFA trust allows you to do, Chris, is that you have the you have co trustees, and the we then what your grandfather would do would do a form four, which is to transfer an NFA item. And he would transfer uh, that Thompson fully automatic uh, machine gun from his name as an individual, because I'm sure he has a tax stamp for it today, where he it's lawfully registered. And this is where you do have registration for NFA items, contrary to the typical handgun, like in my answer to the previous question from a previous caller. But um, he would reg- he would transfer that registration from him as an individual to the trust with you two as co-trustees and anybody else. You know, if you had family members that you wanted to also be allowed, uh, you wanted to, to also have access to possess that on their own, they want to take it to the range, whatever it might be, you could add whoever you wanted to as co-trustees. Oh. And if you tr- if he would transfer that from, from him as an individual into the trust, then uh, if and when he dies, there's nothing you need to do at that moment. Um, nobody has to... Nobody has to do anything to transfer it because the trust already owns it and you're a co-trustee. And so nothing has to happen. It's all it's all done. Um, And uh, and and that would be a perfect way to handle that, uh, especially while he um, is still alive and and could handle establishing the trust and the transfer uh, from him as an individual to the trust. Um, and so that makes all the sense in the world. Let's say, um, for whatever reason, you decided you didn't want to go the trust direction or, you know, he gets hit by a truck tomorrow, God forbid. Um, what would happen then? Well, if it's in his will, for instance, or whatever device, you know, whether it's, you know, intestate succession, as we call it, which is what happens to your property without a will, um, or if he has a will that says you inherit this Thompson, and it's worth a whole bunch of money, as I'm sure you know. Um, so I would guess he's he's dealt with that uh, in his estate planning. But um, if if let's say uh, the, there was no trust, what would then have to happen is the the administrator, executor, whatever it might be of his estate would then have to <laughs> yeah would then have to transfer that, the, and the 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 administrator of the estate is allowed to file what's called a form five. Which is tax free. That's the good news because a, a form four that I was discussing before is two hundred bucks. Um, a form five is a tax free transfer, including from an estate of a deceased person to uh, their beneficiary. And so the the administrator would then have to file that 
And while it's tax-free, you still got to sit around and wait for however long it takes uh, for the ATF to approve that transfer. And then they would transfer that from, from his estate then uh, to you as an individual. Um, so that, that would be the way you would do it uh, without a trust. Um, but if it were me, especially since you know that's going to happen here at some point, um, I, man, it makes all the sense in the world uh, to me to go ahead and establish a trust. But does that make sense to you? You got any questions about that? Oh, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, especially since, you know, my ex is his actual, you know, daughter, my, because he's my son's grandfather. So, okay. You know, he eventually he's wanting it to get into my grandson uh, or my son's hands. Oh, this is your so he, former he, in law. Yeah, so he, yeah, exactly. So he knows because I'm a veteran and stuff, he knows I know how to clean it, take care of it, respect it. Yep. And then that I'm going to make sure that it gets into my son's hands. And so, you know, with his ex, with my ex being out there and stuff, I think I really want to make sure that I can protect, you know, and not leave it in her hands to because she is a liberal and she's not going to want anybody to own it. So, you know, I think the first route that you talked in actually establishing a trust with him uh, as the grantor is going to be the way that I need to go. So I'll probably be calling your office here soon. Oh, absolutely. No, we'd be happy to take good care of you. Um, we have a little short form that people fill out, um, which is what we call our trust intake form, and that we usually deliver the trust within uh, 24, 48 hours when we get that form back. So uh, thanks for the sales pitch opportunity, <laughs> but <laughs> but it really is the right answer to your question. And by the way, in, in your circumstance, where you may have an ex wanting to weigh in and go, oh, hell no, he's not getting that, and wanting to fight the whole thing, thing if the if the trust is established now and that form four gets approved to where that uh thompson has now been transferred into that trust it's not even part of his estate it, it, it's not even an issue for what happens with his estate to the point where if your ex said um oh no i'm, I'm contesting that or i'm fighting that or that needs to come back to to, to other heirs including her um the answer is well that's that 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 horse has left the barn because it's no longer a part of his estate. It's now owned by the trust, and you're a, a co-trustee. There's, there's there's no legal challenge to be made at that point. I don't know about no legal challenge, but there's no viable legal challenge to be made at that point. So I think it's, it would be a great solution to the question that you pose. Thanks for all your information, and thanks for your defense of the Second Amendment. You're a great American. Uh, thank you, brother. Hey, you're on your way to, to VA. Uh, sounds like um, you're, you put your life on the line out there uh, protecting us, uh, or you're going to work taking care of our veterans, or maybe it's both. Uh, but thanks so much to you uh, on uh, on that basis as well. And thanks to Chris for calling. We're a little past the three-quarter hour. We're taking a break. We'll be back for the last segment of the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back to the last segment of The Gun Guy Show here tonight. Not only the last segment here tonight, hey, the last uh, segment of 2023. And look, it's been a great year. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and we've had some great discussions uh, here on The Gun Guy Show. Really looking forward to 2024 and hopefully many years beyond. And, uh, and I really want to thank our callers. I want to thank our listeners uh, because, hey, um, the, the callers provide a lot of the content. I'm, already, I'm always prepared. By the way, we've had shows, believe it or not. You would never know it from tonight because we had a whole bunch of callers. We've had shows. I don't know whether it's weather related. Sometimes I think it's topic related where I'm just on a rant and uh, nobody wants to call and interrupt me because I'm, I'm mid-rant. Um, 
But uh, but other times, uh, I don't know. It might be weather related. People are off doing other stuff. I'm not really sure. But 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 I'm I'm always ready to go for for two plus hours uh, on uh, on a whole variety of gun related topics and Second Amendment related topics uh, here on the Gun Guy Show. But it, it really makes it a lot of fun, and I know people enjoy it who are listening as well. And we have a, a lot of callers with really good input and really good questions, which we certainly did tonight. So thank you. Thank you to everybody, not just that called in tonight, but called in uh, throughout the year. And, you know, I, end of the year, uh, as it is, uh, it's always a good time to reflect. Uh, we're in the middle of the holiday season. Uh, but just looking back, you know, over the last year plus, you know, we got constitutional carry passed in, in 2022. And finally, after a 10-year fight, we finally got it through the legislature. And, you know, the the antis, including some law enforcement officers. And by the way, we had a lot of law enforcement officers that came in and supported constitutional carry. So when you when you hear the discussion about permitless carry or constitutional carry and people are saying, oh, well, law enforcement opposed it. You know, we heard that from people like Jefferson Shreve and uh, Joe Hogsett during the mayoral election here this last year. Well, yeah, some law enforcement officers absolutely opposed it, but a whole hell of a bunch of them, including our elected constitutional sheriffs came in and actually supported it. But those who opposed it, whether it was gun control groups or just Democrats who hate your Second Amendment generally, or uh, or any others, a lot of them predicted blood in the streets, man. They, it was going to be wild, wild west. I heard that term, exactly. Specifically those words. Oh, it's going to be wild, wild west in Indiana when we pass this law. Anybody's going to carry a gun anywhere, and we're going to have a dramatic spike in uh, in murders uh, anywhere and everywhere. And that was particularly forecast to be doom and gloom right here in Marion County. Well, you know, here we are at the end of the year. Those numbers are out. And and what did, what did 2023 tell us? Here we've had a full year now with constitutional carry on the books where more law-abiding citizens, contrary to the wishes of people like Michael, who called in at the beginning of the show, more law-abiding citizens were able to lawfully carry firearms and able to defend themselves, defend their families. So what happened in Marion County? Do we have the complete bloodbath in here in Marion County? Well, there are way too damn many murders, don't get me wrong. We're now at a standing, I believe it's 171, is the last number I heard. Last year, we were well over 200. I believe it was 208. Might have been 18. But I heard on Abdul's show earlier today, the weekend edition of Abdul at Large, he said, in Marion County, again, largest most violent county in Indiana, murders were down about 18% in Marion County. Down eight, almost 20%, 18%. Do we have a bloodbath in Marion County when more law-abiding citizens are able to defend themselves? Oh, hell no. That's it for this weekend's uh, Gun Guy Show. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you come back. This is Guy Relford on 93 WIBC.